This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2 0 and he's. What a World Cup for Megan Rapino! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. All right, today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, your online wagering experts. We're going to be joined here in a minute by Jared Dudley, forward of the Los Angeles Lakers, to talk a little bit about the NBA bubble, the specifics about what's going on, because I'm curious. I don't really know what's going on in there. And we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. We're going to talk about the Rockets. We're going to talk a little bit about the Lakers. And it's a, pr- it's a pretty enjoyable podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Blue Wire. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. <laughs> And we are backed by Jared Dudley of the Los Angeles Lakers. Jared, how you doing? I'm good, man. Just hanging out in the bubbles, uh, finished practice, and a little downtime for me right now. So I understand that you just celebrated a birthday. Uh, first, happy birthday. Second of all, did you celebrate that in the bubble? Like, did that happen while you were quarantined? I was while I was quarantined. It was uh, on the 10th. So it was my uh, technically my first night. We arrived here around... 1130, 12, and I actually think I was pretty, you know, I'm a positive just because I, that whole day, you know, I was getting phone calls and texts and social media, so kind of that day went by fast. It wasn't ideal, but I think right now we're all dealing with stuff right now in society that's not ideal, so uh, I was definitely blessed just to be able to be in the bubble for my birthday. Well, uh, happy birthday, and the primary reason I wanted to bring you on is I have a bunch of questions about this bubble, but let's rewind a little bit, because I feel like there was this group on Twitter that was speaking on behalf of the players and their desires to enter this bubble, and I thought that was wrong. So let me ask you this. Was there any apprehension from you on going to Orlando, uh, given the current situation, or did you, and did you sense that from any of your colleagues? No. I just thought from, I mean, the one thing about it, when you're dealing with 350 athletes, they're never going to agree, all of us. And so we're looking for a 90%. That's what we're really looking for. When it comes to votes, we want it to be such clear cut that, okay, maybe everyone doesn't agree about the bubble, but everyone knew this is the best way to finish the season. We're testing every single day. We are not allowed, uh, no one in. We're not allowed to leave. We practice, we eat, we work out, and eventually we will play games. Right now, we can't even leave the hotel. There's there's three different hotels. We can't even go from hotel to hotel right now until scrimmaging start next week, I think. So we're, we're stuck on just using the, rest, the two or three restaurants here and stuff like that. And so, so for me, was there was no safer place in the world than 
this little bubble, even though Orlando's a hot spot because of the attention to detail that NBA put on and the resources to make everybody safe medically, physically, uh, in every you know facet of life. Right, and that's kind of the sense I get. Like, you see all these pictures of security guards just wandering around Orlando, and it's pretty clear that they're being pretty strict with you guys. Super strict. Uh, Some people have gotten already a 10-day quarantine just for stepping outside of a bubble to pick up Postmates. You've had, and I mean, it might be a half an inch, and maybe you didn't even come in contact, but they just want to be so certain to their rules. And so, so yeah, I, I mean, uh, I think the NBA could, I think the NBA here could have done a little bit better job of explaining the rules of the certain boundaries because they know like gate, technically gate, uh, to, to, to hop over anything. So it's kind of weird how it works. And so for me, I just make it easy. Go to my room, go to practice, and go to eat. So those are the three things we're doing right now until uh, it opens up a little bit. Okay, so now let's get to the fun stuff. So the food has become a major storyline in a way I didn't expect. Uh, so far from what I've been able to gather is that there's a, the first few meals of quarantine were delivered to the foot of your door and they were quite bland, but that it's, it's improved since then. Am I wrong? Is that how it went down? And what are your thoughts about the food in general? Yeah, I mean, the reason why you guys don't think about it is because with professional athletes, a lot of people either have chefs, um, the team has their own personal chefs that you get breakfast and lunch and dinner. And as a professional athlete, man, what you put in your body is crucial for recovery, when it comes to good carbs, protein, and what you eat. And then let's just be honest, because we make good money and the uh, you know teams make a lot of bit of money in the billion-dollar industry, it's the top chefs. And so we're eating very, very good. So initially, the quarantine uh, you expected it not to be good through the first two days because you were quarantined and it was like more with the hotel. But then you thought that the chefs that they got for each team, the food would pick up. Now, I will say this. From 5 o'clock on, all the restaurants and room services open. So the options from dinner, you get you get numerous options. It's really been breakfast and lunch where... If the one or two options you don't like, if it's turkey lasagna and a vegan meal and you don't want to eat that, you're out of luck. And so that's what's been the problem is breakfast and lunch because you only have one or two options and maybe you didn't want that for that day or it didn't look good. Dinner has been totally fine. And so the Indies working on it. Uh, they've added stuff to the menu and I think they've added a couple of restaurants to be open here shortly. And so uh, it was a small little hiccup, but it's something that I think needed to be addressed for the long term of, you know, us being here. No, yeah, and I 100% understand the frustration about the first two days, but I think, uh, as you said, that's to be expected. There's going to be an adjustment period with not only the players, but what the league understands the players want. And so that that give and take is going to take a little bit, but I'm glad that the food is getting better. What is your preferred method of getting meals right now? Are you, like, ordering to your room? Is there a cafeteria? Like, what's your situation right now? There is basically, I want you to look like, basically a conference room, and every team has their own conference room, and they go in there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, at 5 o'clock on, there are other restaurants inside your hotel, which you're only allowed to go to. I think there's like one or two inside the hotel. And I think there's one by the pool, like a little, you know, place you can go. Or you can do room service. So you have options. For dinner, you have options. And teams, I saw Houston bring in, they post-made it in um, 
Mastro's, because their owner, obviously, I think, owns that. Uh, we had Del Frisco's. Jeannie Buss gave us Del Frisco's. And so there's a lot of different options that you could, that your team and other places, you know, can, you know, can uh, order from uh, that's on the NBA list to, you know, to, to, to spice it up and, you know, any good. So let's just say you got hungry in the middle of the night. Are there like vending machines in your hotel? Is the move to order to your room? Like, let's just say it's just 2 a.m. How do you have food? How do you obtain food at that hour? to do room service. Room service closed at 2 a.m. So you better get it before 2 before 2 a.m., like around 1.30, 1.45. That will be the last time you could eat uh, for that night. So it'll be a room service day. Or when you go to dinner and they have these meals, maybe you take an extra meal and you put it to your room. Uh, you, you take it, and then if you get hungry, you can microwave it up, which we have. So, all right, well, we're back in college. It's a, it's a different it's, – it's not an ideal situation, but, hey, we're, we're, we're all figuring it out. Everyone has the eye on the prize. Everyone um, – Everyone wants to be here. They might not want every circumstance in the bubble, but they want to be here, and we're just we're just adapting to the situation. Yeah, and five p.m. to two a.m. like that's a long window, and that you get plenty of flexibility there. That sounds like a decent enough like like the average player is going to be able to adjust to that pretty quickly. Um, easy, yeah. yeah, super easy. Dinner's not the problem. Breakfast and lunch is the only problem they have right now. Dinner, dinner's been not, I I, the pictures that you guys see online have been mostly lunch. Yeah, and, I, and I've been kind of getting offended by the pictures I see online. Not because I, I, I don't think the food is good. It's because people have been comparing that to the food that the media gets. And I'm just like, we get way better food than this. All right? like, I think people think that the media gets like this, like the leftovers. Yeah, media gets really oh. good food. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, sometimes, sometimes players go to the media room. All the time, yeah. I, I you see that at every yeah. game. Like you see players at the media, like, and it's. We, I, I guess we have this bad rep that we have bad food. I don't know. I don't. I don't know where that's come from, but we get pretty good food. Um. So let's talk about practices. This is something that I've been growing increasingly curious about. So, are you guys practicing on the same court every day? Is there like a rotating schedule? Are you getting bus to practice? Rotating, yeah. Rotating schedule. There are about roughly I don't know six courts inside the hotel for different teams go different times. And then there's two other places that they have. Um, you have to take a bus five to seven minute drive um, that you can have practice court. Each practice court have a weight room connected so teams can lift weights and do cardio for their three-hour gap, either before or after practice. In the hotel room, every team has um, – on a certain floor, uh, basically they just basically took the beds and everything out of the room and put weight rooms in there. So you have a weight room at the hotel and at the facilities you work out at. Um, and I just think that's been really, what has been really different for us because you have so many teams. We've been having night practice. And that's just been just a little bit different to get used to. We might practice at six, seven, you know, eight o'clock at night. And, you know, so during the daytime we're free and some teams practice at 9 a.m. So that's just really the adjustment of, you know, usually when you're in your own facility, most teams practice from either from 10 to 12, 11 to 1, or 12 to 2. That's usually roughly a time. So the night practice has been, it's been a little bit different, but I actually like it. Yeah, media availability has been all over the place, and that's because the schedule has been all over the place. But uh, it is right. it is different. It's a nice change of pace. It feels like, it, it does feel kind of like a college kind of practice schedule. So for me as a media person, I, I get like a very training camp kind of vibe from the first week. Does it feel like training camp to you? Like our coaches reteaching offensive and defensive principles like they would in training camp? Yep. Yep. It, it kind of reminds me of first 
three or four practice after all-star break where it's not training camp because you're not doing two-a-days. You're still a little bit sore because you just got off the beat or uh, vacation for, you know, a week and uh, coaches are slowly trying to get you in there. And, and usually there's, you know, depending on the day, maybe you have three days before a game, but a little more teaching because we have a couple weeks, obviously, before a game. But, um, you know, they're not trying to go so hard early. Even though you know they they know they have time when these practices, everyone guys get hurt, their hamstrings or different type of injuries. But no, definitely teaching going over our different concepts. A lot of for us, less film. Um, we we're a big film team. We haven't really got into that because I think of the circumstances, just being in the bubble and the conference and the logistics. Um, I see us getting into that in the future. But right now, it's just been really hey, let's just get after it. Let's just learn, teach, and and play. Yeah, and when and when you talk to the training staff, staff guys, they all they all mention like the big worry there is let's not ramp these guys up too much because we don't want them to get hurt. They haven't played ba- organized basketball in like three or four months. We want them to we want to slowly increase their minutes before we get to five on fives like we do normally. Uh, and that's been kind of the big priority I, that I, I've been able to gather. It's been like let's let's slowly ramp these guys up to getting into playing shape, and then we can worry about the extra extra curricular activities later. I totally agree. I think that they've been doing a good job practice mode. We went three practice, then we had a day off. Now we're going four practices, and then we'll have a day off. So within you know a week, we're going to have two days off, which wouldn't normally happen. So they're they're trying to you know gauge the body. And for us, this is an advantage of being the number one seed. Even when those eight games come, you know I, I think we we have to win, win two to hold on. We're I mean yes, you want to win every game, but we're playing for the playoffs. So. We don't need LeBron to play all eight games. He has a time. If he wants to play 15 the first minutes, the first game, and 20 the second, 25 the third, and then we can get him to 30 and then get him a day off and get him 30 and 30 and another day off, it's for us just to ramp up where most teams are playing for positioning. And that's where I think the luxury of our, you know, even though we can't have a home court advantage in this place, we'll have an advantage of getting our body ready so in the playoffs we have enough rest, enough uh, chemistry to be able to get the games uh, that we want to do, certain personnel uh, to be able to play, but yet, you know, not, not, not overdoing it. By the way, like, how are some of these players, like, sneaking in workouts in their hotel room? Like, I just saw on Instagram that Damari Carroll has, like, weights in his room. So, basically, every team on a, on a designated floor, they just not, they basically have a connecting room. And in each room, it took out the they, the hotel took out everything: the beds, couches, um, you know, uh, desk, um, nightstand, and so it's basically an empty room. And then they put they shipped from Houston, from LA, from Boston, all the certain equipment they wanted in the two rooms. And so there's a designated floor here where Boston, Milwaukee, Clippers, Lakers, Houston, all this weight. And it's on, and that's what you have in your hotel room. So if we have practice at nighttime and we want to get uh, some cardio in for a bike and a lift, we can lift at around ten eleven. And then when we get to to the practice facility, we can some can lift there. Some can, there's different rules for different places. But yeah, tomorrow they they been lifting inside the hotel room. All right, sports are coming back, and so are your chance to bet on your favorite teams and events. 
And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your favorite team to come back? Bet Online has future odds for win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I did not expect it to be like that, but I, hey, get creative. Get creative, NBA. Um, so back to the fun stuff before we talk about the playoffs, because I, re- I want to get your play- your thoughts on the playoffs. Um, when the bubble was explained to me, my brain immediately told me this was going to be like Tamper Palooza 2020. And through the first week, we're getting all these fun videos from players going fishing, playing cornhole together and stuff like that. Like, how much of you guys, like, how much are you guys interacting with players from other teams? Is it mostly hanging out with your own teams or have you socialized with players from other teams? No, nah, we're just hanging out with us. We're just doing that. Now, we might see him in crossing. This is the business for us. I am the prize. Now, some people, you, you know, Peter Tucker's a good friend of mine. I've talked to him on FaceTime. We're not allowed to, even see, we're not allowed to go to different hotels, but um, if he was in my hotel, I might see him. I might stop by his room, you know, every so often. But for the most part, 80% of us, we're, we're together. And, uh, you know, if it's in your room playing cards, if it's at the pool grabbing some food, if it's in the meal room, you're doing that. And to be honest with you, you're tired, man. You, 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 you. We've, got, we've all been working out during the quarantine somewhat, but, we, we, you know, practice is hard. You're lifting weights. You're doing cardio. And it's a, it's a quick turnaround to the next practice. So you're, you're resting. So you're not really socializing on the team. You might say hi to people you know, but it's a high, quick little combo and, move, and keep it moving. That makes sense. That makes sense. So it's it's mainly you're interacting with your own team, and if you see someone along the way, you dap them up, you say what's up, and that's it. Yep. Yep. So obviously, it's really hard to be forced to quarantine uh, away from fran- family and friends. But does it help that you're surrounded by your teammates? Like, like the mental health aspect is something that we've all talked about before the bubble. But for you, is it is it does it help knowing that you're not in this alone? I mean, yeah, for sure. I think that training camp when you you go away before the season I think it's a bonding I think it helps you I think it helped us I think China helped us even though it wasn't a great experience because we were locked down it was we were locked down together it's more of a socializing us talking me getting to know LeBron Anthony Davis Dwight Howard those type of guys so from an interaction and being cool with them it, it helped us bond so for here yeah I mean, uh, you're around your teammates 24-7. If you're not in your room, you're around your teammates. But with that being said is um, the family aspect, that's going to come in a month. Because you're only – let's just be honest. Like a, a, a long road trip might be two weeks, you know? And so there's going to come a time when that's three, four weeks, you're going to be missing your wife, your kids. And it's going to be a natural, and it's, you're in practice, you're sore, now you're playing games, and you're used to just having a significant other or someone at your games. And I know that you still have the eye on the prize, and I know that eventually, I think it's after round one or after six or seven, I mean, I'm pretty sure every single person will have someone come in there, either someone that they really, really trust or a wife or a significant other that they're going to want to have just to have some companionship to be around. 
Yeah, I mean, it, if you were just if you're just by yourself with these players, I mean, you're going to drive yourself crazy out at some point, and it does help to have that one person to kind of bounce things off of, whether it be a significant other, a friend, whatever. I mean, it, that's going to help for sure. I agree. I agree. I think you get three people after the first round, so our whole thing is, is you know, just get a little, let us, you know, let us lock in and do what we're supposed to, and then we'll have people come here not too not, not too long from now. For sure. Okay, so let's talk about the playoffs and how this bubble may impact that. So obviously, you guys, meaning the Lakers, were favored to come out of the Western Conference, given how well you played before the stoppage. The team has had a couple key losses to the guard rotation over the past couple weeks. You guys signed Deion Waiters before the season halted, and recently J.R. Smith. But how does the team manage that? Is that just like a next man up mentality? Sure, it has to be. I mean, Avery Bradley's obviously a big loss to the defensive prowl uh, to have. Um, uh, Rondo is not out for the year. I mean, obviously he's had this before, um, and uh, he'll be back. Um, hopefully, you know, first round. If not, definitely before the second round. Uh, so, for, yeah, for sure it does. But it gets, it's not like, hey, Alex Caruso gets more playing time. Right now, Alex Caruso and LeBron James have the best plus-minus of any combo guard. Alex Caruso... You could have made the case to him and playing more minutes anyway, and now he'll get a more he'll get a more extended role. Uh, guys like Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith are going to have to earn it. Uh, Quinn Cook, so it's going to be a by by committee or whoever coach is filling and be able to have that. But KCP started numerous games when Avery Bradley was hurt this year, played phenomenal. He gets to go, go probably in the starting role more minutes for Kyle Kuzma. Uh, but the thing about us, which was you know, pretty, pretty telling for us is with our size. Houston, a team like Houston wants to go super small. Well, we don't do that. We are a, a, a we, we use our length and athleticism and, and our power to overwhelm you throughout a 48 games with JaVel McGee, Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. That's a, that's a, hold to, uh, a whole lot to have to hold off on the offensive rebounding and, and, and the rebound against them and, and us being number one in blocks, protecting the paint. So uh, that's been our strength the whole year. Yeah, and the reason the Lakers rosters worked so well offensively, to me, just watching them throughout the course of the season, is because you guys have such great passers at 3, 4, and 5. Like, you have LeBron, Anthony Davis, Danny Green's played in a pass-heavy system. Like, these guys can all play make, and they're all intelligent enough to make it work without a traditional ball-heavy ball handler. I mean, the balls in LeBron and AD, they're going to make the right plays. Um, we were a top three defense in the NBA, so it's hard to score on us. Um, and for us, to be honest with you, like, we wouldn't even really shoot the basketball that well. If you look at our shooting numbers, um, it, and, and that's telling of a team that is, just got put together. It's, it's, it's telling that, that hey, uh, the more chemistry, the longer we play in the season, the better our shooting is, is because we're going to get used to us, more reps, our defense was there. Our, our, our getting to the free throw line and offensive rebound was there. It was our shooting with the last thing to come. And we have great, great capable shooters. Danny Green, uh, KCP, uh, when Avery was here, Quinn Cook, myself. We had Troy Daniels. And, and we still didn't shoot the ball well. Deion Weir's and Kyle Kuzma have been shooting the lights out of practice so far here in quarantine. So uh, that's something that I hope that will turn around the bubble. Adding Dion and JR sounds like it's going to be huge for the shooting. Like those guys are capable shooters, played in the playoffs before, can hit big shots. Like that to me is going to help a lot the offensive dynamics of your team if they can if they can forge a way onto the the playing time. Yeah, they're they're going to play. I mean, they're going to get an opportunity. You'll see them in the first eight games. 
just if you look at the setup and what they do with it, depending on, you know, the trust for the coach of that. Uh, JR is just solid. He makes shots. He's a, he, he, he looks better driving to the basket than I can remember. Uh, he knows what he does on defense. He's solid. And, and Dion gives the add dimension, which we've seen in practice, of creating his own shot. And so my thing with them two, and I always try to tell Dion, what are you going to bring to the team when your shot's not going in? Can you get stops? Can you make the extra pass? Can you not turn the ball over? Can you get a big box out? And that's what we have to understand. We got two, we got enough scoring. Uh, it's not about that. Can you? Can we do the little things to give ourselves a chance to win every night? Because we know LeBron and AD are a handful. So the Lakers were slated to have home court advantage all the way up to the finals. The bubble obviously has taken that away from you and the Bucks. Is it going to be weird to play without fans? Like, do you guys feel like there's going to be an adjustment for the players? For sure. Uh, everything adjustment. I think that obviously uh, home court advantage first affects us because we've had home court throughout uh, except for the finals. So Milwaukee could be the first one to complain about it, then we could be second. I think someone like Denver, no altitude for them. Utah, no altitude. Now it's just court. And so for one, who's going to be the most disciplined mentally where everything you say to your teammates, now everyone can hear. Are you going to be able to, you know, be locked in and really gather through the through the rough times? Because every team's going to go through rough times, and and, and this is going to be crucial. This this, this is going to show your togetherness. Can you mentally lock in and and, and not get after the refs? Because maybe their standards are a little bit less, and they're more willing to call technical fouls because they can hear your language a little bit easier. I don't know. So it's going to be a conscious effort of every player to be able to want to do it. That's why it's going to be so tough. It's not going to be easy for any team. When you go to Houston or you go to the Clippers, it's just the court. You know, and no crowd, no nothing. You got to get yourself up. What do you think is going to happen there? Like, do you think the league's just going to pump in crowd noise to the speakers? Like, do you think there's going to be music, or do you think it's just going to be dead air? I think it is going to be music. I think they're going to pump crowd noise. I think they're going to make it, you know, an experience for fans. I think that it's not going to be like the TBT where it's just super quiet. I think they'll have, you know, uh, you know, let's go defense, you know, different chants of different going on. Uh, when they have the piano for the Knicks, when they'll be playing, we have our music come out. The certain things that we do on our court, everyone has their certain things. And free throw line, I think there will be a little a crowd. Well, why not? You know, I think that this is, they're going to try to help there. I don't, someone said something about some virtual, virtual fans. I don't believe that will happen, but. You, you just never know, man, what the NBA is capable, man. This is this is a, a billion-dollar industry, and they're going to make it for fans to go have it. I would have cameras. I heard, I heard cameras are going to be everywhere. And I think I think that you you let the fans in. Let them into the – let them into the uh, – you know, the basically inside the huddle, during the court, hearing the trash talking, hearing the interaction between refs and players. I think it would be phenomenal to hear James Harden – and what he says to refs about getting a call and a, a player saying, no, he's flopping, or, or LeBron wanting a call and, and other players talking trash. I think it just would be a phenomenal aspect to hear that. Yeah, the, the NBA could get really creative with the miking stuff. Like, if they can mic up some certain players and certain areas of their arena so we can hear that stuff, you know, at, at the choosing of some of these teams, because you know the teams are going to monitor that stuff, uh, that would be really cool. 
you always heard like it's going to be an adjustment for the players to play without fans. And I, I, I kind of understand that. But the biggest adjustment to me has always been like the television product. Like I think it's going to be a bigger adjustment for the fans to, to play, to watch games without fans. Like I, I think it's going to be a little weird. Like I think that's going to be the bigger adjustment because the television product to me, like players have played their their whole lives and they've played games without fans before. That's, that's not going to be new. It's going to be a little different being an NBA sanctioned game, but they've played games without fans before. But fans have not watched games without fans before that's going to be weird like i think the nba has to get really creative in how they enhance the television product and they listen they put a bunch of money into this bubble you don't know where all that money's going like for all we know they've already planned out some things that we just don't even know about yet oh for sure they have man listen they got that that's that's some people's jobs for sure like listen the in-game experience is crucial um, we we know that we're in a pandemic and there's not a lot of watch besides Netflix right now and baseball's coming and you have soccer and for us it's basketball and you got the stars we're gonna be wearing the jerseys you're gonna have the courts you're they're gonna have you know the interviews to be able to have it I just think the in game experience is gonna have a summer league type feel to it. Um, but I just think that you're right. I think that the NBA has stuff up their sleeves. You'll see different stuff with Black Lives Matter and different stuff of, uh, of the movement and the protest of what was going on pre-pandemic. I think that you'll uh, have the commercials of the education and what's going on, a certain message the NBA wants to get out. And then I think that the experience, the, 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 the added cameras and the added experience for fans is going to be unique. It's going to be a different out, an outlook on it watching this game than I think a normal, than a normal TNT ESPN game. Yeah, listen, the NBA is the most creative league in the in the entire world like i firmly believe that i mean just the bubble itself the idea of the bubble and everything that they've put into it is extremely creative that's an extremely creative venture and the fact that they've been able to pull this off is extremely impressive to me um all right before we head out here let's talk about the rockets because this is a rockets podcast and i'm gonna get some angry emails if i don't ask any rockets questions so you guys were the first team to play houston after they traded clint capella for robert covington uh, how was how was that to see up close? Like, did you view PJ Tucker at center full time as an experiment at that point, or do you think it was going to work? Well, I mean, it, that that's really the you know the, the million dollar question for is it going to work over a course of time? And I think that um, they have so many good defenders when it comes to uh, Covington, PJ, uh, etc. They got they, they are pretty good at that. Jeff Green was a, a great addition for them. I think the key to them is Russell Westbrook, and we had a very difficult time guarding him. Uh, I feel that the next time we do play him, it'll be diff- a different scheme and different matchups, and I think that you think that you want to leave Russell Westbrook open and maybe double James, but to have that man come at you full speed is a load. And he was shooting the ball at a high rate, getting to the basket, and his, his field goal percentage at the rim at a high rate, and he was looking, getting guys open threes. And so um, the question is, is I know they, they, were, they lost like four out of five before the break. Um, you know, like, what happened? You know, they, they, they do the one-on-one ISO basketball. And, play, and people basically said, you know what, we're tired of James going one-on-one. We want to trap. We want other guys to beat him. And a lot of the time, Russell Westbrook was beating him. And so that's the choice you get to make. So can, can Russell Westbrook still play at a high level during this time? And can guys like Macklemore, who is shooting phenomenal, P.J. Tucker, during a four-month layoff, can, are they going to have enough legs to be able to have it? And I think, it's, I think they're the most interesting team to watch. 
I think they have the capability of knocking off a good team. And I also think they have a capability of losing a first round matchup they should have won. Yeah, and what you what you mentioned about the doubling of James Harden, like I think that's why they made the trade. I think ultimately, if if there is one overriding factor over the decision they made at the trade deadline, I think having two non shooters on the floor was really hurting them, and it allowed teams to to double James and get away with it because you had two non shooters and a packed paint to avoid a Westbrook penetration. Now the sp- the floor space now. You know, the idea of doubling James Harden and leaving Westbrook open, like that's a better idea in theory than in practice now because then you have a wide open lane. Like Clint Capella's not in there clogging the lane up anymore. Like like you have P.J. Tucker stretching the floor out. That lane is wide open for Westbrook to attack and and cut and penetrate and find shooters. Like now it becomes more difficult. And I think think if you were to ask Daryl Moore like why he made the trade, I think think if you gave him truth serum, that's why he made the trade. I'm with you. I think they went all in. I think that, you know, after you do the Westbrook trade, you have your options. Let's just be honest. You're not trading PJ. He's got one of the best contracts of, what, six to eight million dollars. The only thing you could do next now is Eric Gordon or these two superstars. So he, he, he basically is you got the Russell Westbrook. You wanted to open the lane. You wanted to be able to have certain stuff like that. Eric Gordon was just coming off injury, stuff like that. And so you really, this is like your last tip before you get rid of the big dogs. And so for this whole thing is, hey, listen, guys, we're going all in with Dan Tony, his way. He likes the small ball lineup anyway. You have that. But you also are really, really slim now if a P.J. Tucker or a Jeff Green miss, you know, four to five games, now your depth is basically shredded. So hey, I, I applaud them for going for it, for doing it their way. But you know what? For everything, yeah, there's, there, there can be a consequence, and that's for every team. For sure, the rebounding could kill them, right? Like that's the that's the number one question. Can they rebound enough? Can they force enough turnovers so the rebounding is not as much of a problem? Like those are the big factors as to whether or not they can pull this off. Um, so we've heard a ton of media analysis about microball and whether or not it could work or not. Have you talked to other players in the league about the Rockets? Like, what are their views? What's the league wide view on the Rockets right now? You know, for one, I mean, they just they respect what they do as an organization. Um, let's just be honest, man. If it wasn't for that Warriors team, and they still had a chance. I mean, the Rockets could have won a championship, and I think people realize that. I think people are not sold on the ISO basketball 90% of the time. They see that how James is a phenomenal offensive player, uh, once-in-a-generational talent when it comes to what he can do with the basketball and Russ, his athletic ability. And but the question is, is when you then go up with a team that has people of that stature and have athleticism at the rim and have size, a la Clippers, a la Milwaukee, can that style prevail? And there's people that are most, a lot of people are not believers that it can prevail. And that's why I love what the Rockets are doing. Like, hey, listen, we believe it's going to work. Most people don't believe it. We're going to go with ourselves. We're going to go all in. We're going to open the spacing. And so that's what it is. I mean, stylistic, obviously Harden has his style. Some people love it. Some people don't. I re- I respect him as a player. I respect, uh, uh, I definitely respect Westbrook and what he does. And I just think that, you know what, it's going to be a battle. I think some teams don't want to play them, don't want to play them. And I think that some teams uh, know that they have, even though that the Rockets might be favored, they still got a chance. Yeah, it, it, what they did was so bold that it, it's it's caused so many people to have opinions about it. And, uh, you know, 
like, nobody knows if it's gonna work. Like we've never seen this before. The first time PJ, T- yeah, like the first time PJ Tucker played a game at center full time, like that was the first time in NBA history since the 1970s that a team played a player above six did not play a player above six seven for 48 minutes. Like it's so brand new, it's so different. You know, we've seen small ball before, but it's in spurts, and they're doing it full time, and we won't know until we see it, pretty much. PJ's my guy. And he, if there's one power forward that's built for it, it's him because he, he's actually a three-four, where his his lower body is so strong. It's just I was doing it today. I was with the second unit and having to box out Javale and box out Javale uh, and Dwight Howard and the amount of force. Now every team doesn't have that, and so I just think that the wear and tear. The good thing about this is it's not like. Rockets lost four out of five, but you still had 18 more games. So that 18, we're only eight games. And so the good thing, for, I think, for the Rockets for just this year is you don't have your five men that aren't used to that pounding. They're not taking an 82-game season. And I think that's an advantage for the Rockets coming into this bubble. Yeah, and PJ, like in the Warriors series that you we talked about earlier, like PJ was the, a big reason they were able to contend with the Warriors the way they did. I mean... In the playoffs, he just turned it on to a level that was just really hard and really difficult to contain. Like him boxing out, like Zach Lowe has his fam- famous quote about him, about PJ's and how he's just like such a pain and it grabs every offensive rebound, even when it's out of range. He tries to go for every offensive rebound in the playoffs. And I think the Rockets viewed that and saw, you know what? I think PJ unlocked something at center that we just won't be able to get any other way we play. Let's play this double down, this strategy. Let's see if it works. And I really want to see how it works, frankly, against a team like the Lakers, like a, the, a, the big team, right? The, the team that everybody expects the Rockets to struggle against. I want to see how it works against a team like that. Yeah, I, I would say that when we played the uh, Houston the last time and they beat us in LA, offensively, we had no problem. If anything, it was our defense was terrible. And you got to credit the Rockets for that. Russell Westbrook was phenomenal that game. I think he had like 36, shot like 70% from the field. And so you're right. I, I think that when you when you talk about the Rockets, you're not worried about them stopping you defensively because their whole thing is this fast pace, go, go, go. They switch so many screens. They try to contain. Um, you know you're going to get your shots. But the question is, is you just know that you, when you come back in, you got – you got a two-headed monster of Russ and and, and James coming at you, and I and I think that you're right. It's a it's a killing of two different styles. And the good thing about this and this here, you know, this bubble, and us being able to finish the season, we're going to find out. And and the Rockets are going to are going to be there, and they're going to be a handful for any team that they play. Uh, listen, thank you so much for coming on, Jared. Uh, can you tell the people where we can follow you on Twitter? Follow me on Twitter, Jared Dudley619, or my new Instagram, Jared Dudley10. I post some stuff here and there, man. Try to give you guys some insight behind the scenes, man. I'm, I'm glad to be on this podcast, man. Thanks for having me. For sure. Stay safe. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. Make sure to give Jared a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Follow this podcast on Twitter at Red Nation Hoops. Follow me on Twitter at Saul Miley NBA. And subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you really enjoyed the show, give us five stars because it helps other people on the show. And yeah, guys, good night. Thank you.